Good morning, everybody. Good morning to those who are in person and to all of the folks online. We're so glad that you are with us. The United Methodist Women are all set up for tomorrow's luncheon. They have an event tomorrow in the gym. Uh, if you have never been a part of the United Methodist Women, let us know that you would like to be a part of that. They have uh, circles that meet on a regular basis, and they have so much fun when they meet. I wanted to let all the youth know that uh, we are doing a Halloween trip this Saturday. Bring your mask, and we are going to have a great time. Um, and also, all of those who are here in person and watching, let your friends know. They can join us in person, or they can join us on Facebook uh, Live. They can join the church website or YouTube. There's several ways to connect with our services. Um, youth and kids have been back in person uh, for a couple months now outside. The youth meet out in the courtyard, and the children meet out in the uh, green space area. And they have so much fun on Wednesday nights. Um, do, you, do you notice how many children are here today? This is great. The kids are ready to have a great time this morning. Um, this is a huge announcement that everybody can get excited about. We are having Trunk or Treat October 25th uh, from 2 to 4. It's different than our uh, normal Fall Fest uh, because of COVID, but we are making this the best Fall Fest ever. It's going to be so much fun. Catherine Bards, would you raise your hand so everybody can see you? Catherine's been um, leading the kids, and she's been doing a great, awesome job. And if you want to help with our trunk or treat at the Casey's house, just let Catherine know she has a job already ready for you. You can bring your car and have tons of candy to hand out to the kids. It's going to be a great time for everybody. They're going to have hot dogs out there. And the best part, a petting zoo. A petting zoo. It's going to be great. Hopefully there's no squirrels, all right? And um, so if you want to help, let Catherine know. And uh, just make sure you say hi to all these great kids this morning as it's Children's Sabbath Sunday. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Loving God, uh, we are so thankful to be able to worship together today. We pray that you will calm our hearts and our minds this morning and help us focus on you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Set the captives free Who can stop the Lord? 
Yes, that's awesome. Awesome. We've got an awesome praise band, and it's wonderful to worship together with y'all. Uh, today's a special Sunday. Every Sunday's special. Uh, but today is a special, special Sunday because today's Children's Sabbath. Today we're just highlighting our children's ministry. And I want to tell you what, I don't really, I'm not really much to brag about things, but I think we have the best. Don't you, Pastor Andy, think we have the best children anywhere around, the best parents, the best children's leadership and volunteers and laypersons. It's awesome, and we're highlighting it today. We have a short video for you to watch, so I hope you enjoy.
that awesome? I tell you, yeah, you. And thank you, Catherine, and to everybody who put that together. Uh, if you're looking for a church that will love your children and give them all of the, the tender care that we can, if you're looking for a place that will teach your children about Jesus and, and help them to know what it's like to follow Jesus, then Gaston First United Methodist Church is the church for you. Miss Catherine, you want to take the kids to Children's Church now? Everybody wants to follow that way. I know they're going to have lots of fun. Okay. You know, when you support, when you give and support your church, uh, you're supporting uh, our children's ministry. We're just kind of highlighting that today. So I want to encourage you to continue. Thank you for already supporting your church, but I want to ask you to continue to support by your prayers and your presence and your gifts and your service. Give online, give through the mail, drop it in the offering plate if you come here in person, but continue to give and continue to serve so that we can grow the next generation of disciples. Let's pray. Gracious God, thank you for saying, let the children come to me. Thank you for reminding us that they are a part of the kingdom of God. And as a matter of fact, we need to let our hearts be like theirs if we want to enter the kingdom of God. We love the children, Lord, in this church. We love the children everywhere. Help us to care about these kids and all of the kids in our communities and to serve you, Lord, by serving them. Take the tithes and offerings that are given through this church through these ministries and bless them for your kingdom's purpose in Jesus name. Amen.
Thank you so much, uh, Molly and the praise band. That, that song just gets to me every time. I, I absolutely love that because, you know, people might call you all kinds of things, and they will, um, but you are who God says you are. I am who God says I am, and uh, that's very, very comforting in the world that we live in these days. Uh, we're going back to the book of Job today. We're going to read uh, verses 9 and 10 in Job chapter 2. You want to follow along if you want to watch or if you just want to listen, um, hear these words. Then his wife said to him, Do you still persist in your integrity? Curse God and die. But he said to her, You speak as any foolish woman would speak. Shall we receive the good at the hand of God and not receive the bad? In all this... Job did not sin with his lips. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Right after 9-11, um, the Igniting Ministries part of the United Methodist Church did something that I thought was, was wonderful. They put billboards all around the country. And um, this was during the time when they had the, um, the open hearts, open doors, open minds kind of thing that they were doing. But these billboards were really kind of something special. They were just a giant billboard on the side of the road that said, for all the days that end in why. And then it had open hearts, open minds, open doors, the people of the United Methodist Church. And there's something that, that uh, there are a lot of things about 9-11 I'll never forget, but those billboards are one of them. Um, for all the days that end in why. I don't know about you, but um, I've had a lot of days that ended in why in 2020. Um, yeah, preachers have those days too, don't we, Pastor Andy? Uh, days that just end in why. Job had those days. We have those days. Um, there's an old British movie called uh, Whistle Down the Wind. And in this movie, there's a, a group of kids that are just uh, little urchins, I guess you could say, running around. And, but they have a pet kitten that they really love, this group of kids. And they're trying to take care of this kitten. And the kitten gets sick. And the kitten ends up dying, which pets die. And it breaks our hearts. But for these kids, they earnestly prayed for this kitten that God would not let their pet kitten die. I mean, just earnestly prayed. And when the kitten died, they were in one of those why God positions, and they didn't know what to do. And the only thing they knew to do was to go to the only person that they knew in the village that might could answer that question 
the local pastor or the vicar, because this was set in England. So they, they went where um, all good Englishmen are found in the tea shop. And they found the, the vicar there uh, reading the newspaper and drinking the tea. And these little kids surrounded his table and they just came right out with the question, why did God let our kitten die? And the vicar folded his newspaper up and set it to the side, took a deep breath, and launched into this long, complex theological answer that went on and on and on. And then after he got done, he picked his paper back up and said, run along, kids, run along. If I could do a British accent, I would. Run along, kids. And they, they went out the door, and um, one of the little boys was holding the hand of his big sister, and you see them walking away, and he turns to his big sister and says, he doesn't know, does he? Uh, he doesn't know. And to tell you the truth, we don't. We don't know a lot of times. We don't know. I mean, honestly, we don't know why really bad things happen to really good people and really good things happen to what we think are really bad people. And we do. We do look to heaven and we do say, why God? We say, why God? Because it's just, I don't know, it's just not fair. And that's the way I feel when I read the book of Job. I, I see Job and, and Job 1.1 tells me that he is a man who is blameless and upright. Now, you have to understand the word blameless doesn't mean he's sinless. Job, the only one who was ever sinless was Jesus Christ, but he was blameless. Now, he had his faults. I'm sure, I'm sure uh, his wife would tell me he left his clothes on the bedroom floor, and I'm sure he snored, and I'm sure that he, he had grown. I mean, he had faults like we all do, right? But blameless here means that he was whole and complete, and he had integrity. Remember those words. He was whole. He was complete. He had integrity. People who have integrity are whole persons. They are mature persons. And when it says he was upright, what it means is that he was a straight shooter, that he wasn't a hypocrite. He wasn't two-faced, right? He was the genuine article. In other words, he was trying to live a life where he was doing the right thing, trying to do the right thing by everybody he met. And he was prosperous. He was prosperous. He had a lot of uh, livestock, which is the way they measured prosperity back then. And he had a big, happy family. Everyone around admired Job. Everyone, even if they were a little jealous of him, they all admired Job. And then in one terrible, horrible day, he went from being admired by everybody to being pitied by everybody because he lost everything in one terrible day. Now, he still had friends. Uh, his, well, Job's friends. Pastor Andy's going to talk about Job's friends next week. Uh, I mean, his friends were, were really something. His friends basically came and said, Hey, Job, you must have really sinned badly. You must have really made God angry. You better repent, man. You better turn things around. And maybe if you do, God will let up on all of this suffering and give you a break. 
Because you see, in the ancient mind, suffering was always, always connected with sin. It was always the result of some, uh, was somebody sinning. It was just the ancient Hebrew way of thinking that went something like this. If you obey God, then you were blessed and you prospered. And if you didn't obey God and you sinned, then you were cursed and you were punished. Well, that works fine as long as it works, but it doesn't always work. That fits fine when it fits, but it doesn't always fit. It didn't always fit in the Old Testament. It doesn't fit today. Sometimes, but not always, because life is just not that simple. You know, if we were in charge, we would make it that simple. You know, good guy, he gets blessed. Bad guy, he gets cursed. But we're not in charge, are we? We're not God. And life just doesn't work that way. But this mindset, this mindset of blessing for the good and cursing for the bad, it carried over into the New Testament, and we see it all over the place. And Jesus tried to teach differently about it. You remember in John chapter 9 when Jesus was walking along with his disciples and they saw this guy who was blind. He was born blind. And the disciples scratched their head and said, Jesus, who sinned that this guy was born blind? Was it him or was it his parents? You see, they really wanted it to be that simple. Something bad happens, somebody must sin. They wanted it to be simple. They wanted it to fit, but Jesus said it doesn't fit. Neither this man nor his parents sinned. This is just an opportunity to see the glory of God at work. And then Jesus did something that is really kind of creepy and wonderful at the same time. He spit on the ground and he made some little mud pies out of his own saliva and he rubbed them on the man's eyes and he told him to go wash his eyes in the pool of Siloam and the man went and washed his eyes and he was healed. He was healed by mud in his eyes. So that was in Jesus' day. And you know what? 2,000 years later, we're still doing the same thing. We're still, we're still thinking the same way. We're still thinking that, uh, oh, someone is, is, is blessed and they must, be, they must be doing something right. They must be really good. Or someone is having all this bad stuff happen to them. Oh, man, they really must have made God mad. They really must have done something. They just, you know, it, it's, it's like we... It's like we believe in karma more than the Hindus believe in karma. And then when it doesn't fit, we want to look up at heaven and say, why, God? Why? Why? I'm trying to do everything right here, God. I'm trying to do the right thing. I'm trying to, to be a good person. Why is life kicking my butt when I'm trying to do right? Well, if our theology is like a pair of boots, just work with me here, okay? If our theology is like a pair of boots, maybe we need a new pair of boots because maybe we've outgrown the old ones. Let me explain the boots reference. I really like um, the Netflix series Longmire. Any of y'all Longmire fans? Okay. Um, well, one day, Sheriff Longmire is talking to his friend Henry 
in the Red Pony pub. Uh, don't, don't judge him. Uh, the sheriff has been trying to solve a, a crime, and he's not having any luck solving this crime. The sheriff really is working under the assumption that this guy that he really, really dislikes, he's kind of his nemesis, is guilty of this crime. And he's working from that assumption, but everywhere he turns, it just doesn't work. The case is going nowhere. And he's sitting at the Red Pony, and he says to Henry, I need a new pair of boots. And Henry says, what are you talking about, Walt? And he said, well, when I was 10 years old, my mother gave me this, this new pair of boots, and I loved them. I wore them everywhere. I wore them every single day. I wore them all the time. But then over the summer, I had a growth spurt. And all of a sudden, my new boots didn't fit anymore, but I still kept wearing them because I loved them. And I wore them until they hurt my feet so bad, I had to give them up and get a new pair of boots. You see, the sheriff was working with a way of thinking that just didn't fit anymore. And if he was ever going to solve the crime, he was going to have to take the old boots off. Maybe we've outgrown our old boots. Maybe we've outgrown that old theology that says if we're good, then everything will be all right. And if we're bad, we're going to suffer. And that's the way it's going to fit in life. I think it's time to get some new boots. And you say, well, preacher, you still haven't answered the question of why we suffer. But honestly, I'm kind of like the man in that old British movie, you might walk away from here looking at your neighbor saying, he really doesn't know, does he? Uh, because sometimes I don't. Sometimes I'm going to be like you and just have to understand it better in the by and by, as the old song says. But for now, I'm going to take a swing at it. For now, I'm going to give you Pastor Sam's incomplete answer to why we suffer. Pastor Sam's incomplete answer to why we suffer. And I promise I'll only tell you what I really believe that I do know. I will not tell you a bunch of stuff that I, I don't know. The, the list I'm going to give you revolves around um, three F's, okay, just to make it easier. Um, Pastor Sam's incomplete answer to why we suffer. One is foolishness. We suffer sometimes because of our own foolishness. It's really pretty simple. We're reaping what we sow. Our chickens are coming home to roost, as my grandmother used to say. Now, I could tell you a bunch of stories about how I made foolish choices and I suffered the consequences of those foolish choices. I could tell you a bunch of stories. If we were sitting at the Red Pony I could tell you a bunch of those stories, right? Could you tell me stories about making foolish choices and suffering consequences? I bet you could. So foolishness. Sometimes people suffer because of foolishness. The second F is fallenness. I'm not even sure that's really a word, but I'm going to say that it is fallenness. And what I mean by that is we live in a fallen world. 
And what I mean by that is God created a world that was perfect. There, there was no suffering in God's creation. There was, everything was, well, everything was paradise. There was no COVID-19 virus in God's world that he created. There was no cancer. There was no school shootings. There was no hurricanes. There was, there was no hate. There was no people treating people like they were less than human. There was no injustice, no war, no refugees. There was none of that. No kudzu. None of that. I'm convinced that kudzu is a part of the, the fall. But sin entered the world through Adam and Eve, and along with sin came suffering. Along with sin came suffering not just for humanity, but suffering for all of creation. In Romans chapter 8, Paul tells us that all creation was subject to the same fall that, that human beings were subject to, and that all creation groans awaiting for the day that God will redeem everything that God will redeem these bodies that sometimes get sick, that God will redeem everything that's broken in this world, and that God will restore paradise when kingdom comes. But in the meantime, groaning, Paul says, groaning as a woman in her travail, groaning. In the meantime, disease. In the meantime, tragedy. In the meantime, disasters. Not just for bad, creepy folks, but for everybody. Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, the sun rises on the evil and the good. The rain falls on the just and the unjust. Same thing with suffering. Disease and disaster and tragedy. All of that doesn't just happen to evil people. Hurricane Delta. Hurricane Delta. People are trying to clean up and let's remember them in our prayers and let's, let's help them through UMCOR and through our volunteers. People are cleaning up after the hurricane and it wasn't just rotten people. There were good folks that had to suffer that same hurricane. Anyway, fallenness. And the third F is freedom. We live in a world that is fallen, but we also live in a world where God has given us freedom. And you see, the same freedom that allows us to choose to love God and love our neighbor is the same freedom that allows us to spurn God and hurt and kill our neighbor. Like every good gift that God has ever given, it can be used for good or it can be used for bad. We have seen so many terrible things in 2020, not just in 2020, but in our lifetime. And not just here with us, but I mean, with the 24-hour news cycle, you can see the awful things going on all around the world 24-7. So many innocent people have died and so many people have suffered needlessly. There's so much injustice in the world, so much wrong. And we say, why don't you just stop that, God? Why don't you just, I don't know, why, God, didn't you just let that person's gun jam? You know, have you ever thought that? I have. Why didn't you just let that person's gun just jam? Or, or why, didn't you, why didn't you let that drunk person lose his car keys and not get behind the wheel? Why didn't you stop it, God? And I know this isn't very satisfying when you have questions in your heart, but it's the truth. 
If God took away our freedom to do evil, God would be also taking away our freedom to do good. Because it's the same freedom. Does God want us to just be robots or puppets on a string? I don't think so. Because if we, if we were, we couldn't have any real relationship with each other or with God. If we didn't have the freedom not to have that, we couldn't really have it. That's not what God wanted. That's not what we want at the heart of it. So we're back to the question, why God? Sometimes we don't know. And anybody who tells you that they always know the why question is pulling your leg or trying to sell you something. Sometimes it's because of foolishness, sometimes fallenness, sometimes just freedom because people are free to do the wrong thing just like they're free to do the right thing. I want us to turn to another question now, and this is the one that Job's wife, bless her heart. Every time I say Job's wife, I want you to think in your mind, bless her heart, because bless her heart. Job's wife, bless her heart, asked this question. You remember the one that I read earlier? She asked, do you still persist in your integrity? In other words, Job, think about all that we've lost. It wasn't just Job that lost everything. Job's wife lost everything, too. After all that we've lost, why don't you just curse God and die? That's what she said. Do you still persist in your integrity? Remember what I said about integrity, that it means being complete, being whole, being mature? That's the question we need to hold on to today. Because you see, in our lives, it's not a question of if we're going to suffer. It's not even a question really of why we suffer, even though that's the one we always want to ask. We always want to ask why. It's the question that Job's wife, bless her heart, asked. Do you still persist in your integrity? Do I still persist in my integrity? Can I lose it all and still be whole? And the answer to that is, well, by God's grace, we can. If our stubborn faith and trust in the ultimate goodness of God, if we hold on to that stubborn faith in the ultimate goodness of God, then we can be whole even when other things are missing. People we love, things, jobs, health. And speaking of God, let me just end with this question. Where is God when we're suffering anyway? Where is God? What role does God play in all of this? Well, maybe our, maybe our old boots would say, well, God is there like um, the Wizard of Oz behind the control panel, causing everything that happens to happen, that everything that happens is God's will. Can I just say, those are old boots. I really wish we could just go ahead and say, we've outgrown that way of thinking. 
Because I really just don't believe that God sends hurricanes. I really don't believe that God sends earthquakes and COVID and cancer to people. Now you say, well, it's fine for you to believe that, preacher. Can you back it with scripture? Actually, yes, I can. I can tell you that every good and perfect gift comes from above, from the Father of heavenly lights, in whom is no shifting shadows, from James 1.17. I can tell you from Genesis chapter 1, verse 31, that when God created everything, everything that God created, he looked at it and he said, it's very good. I can tell you that in 1 John 1, 5, it says that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. I can tell you from James 1, 13 that God cannot be tempted with evil, neither does he tempt anyone else. I can tell you that God is not the author of confusion. I can tell you that God is love and not hate, that God is truth and not the author of lies. I could go on and on and tell you all of these scriptures but basically, God is good. God is love. That's who God is. So please, please, let's not say God sent hurricane so-and-so to such-and-such because they were doing thus-and-so. Let's please not say that. Let's please not say God sent COVID. Let's please not say God sent AIDS or cancer or wildfires, you see? And you say, well, Pastor Sam, you don't know. Maybe God did that. You've already said you don't know. Well, that's a fair point. And I promised that I wouldn't tell you what I don't know. So let me just tell you what I do know. And what I believe all the way down to my toes. Jesus. That's what I believe. In the book of Colossians, we read that Jesus Christ is all of the fullness of God in bodily form. All the fullness of the Godhead was pleased to dwell in Jesus in bodily form. I believe Jesus, when he said to his disciples, If you have seen me, you've seen the Father. If you've heard my words, you've heard the word of the Father. I believe that all that our human minds can understand about all that God is, we can't understand everything because we're human. All that we can understand, though, we see in Jesus Christ. In him, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell in bodily form. That's what I know. Can y'all go along with that? If you're watching at home, type amen if you can go along with that. That if you want to see God, you look at Jesus. And so, therefore, let me ask you this. Can you show me anywhere where Jesus caused a storm? I can show you where he calmed a storm. I can show you where he walked on top of a storm. I can't show you where he caused a storm, and you can't show me either. Can you show me anywhere where Jesus caused a disease? Jesus where he caused the disease. I can show you where he healed all manner of diseases. Can you show me where Jesus caused anything bad, evil, anything like that? I can show you where he went around doing good, casting out demons, and healing all manner of diseases. I can show you that. So we're left with some questions, and we just got to 
Hold on to the mystery and trust God because one day when Christ comes in all of his glory, all of our questions are going to be answered and everything that's broken is going to be set right and every tear is going to be wiped away. And until then, we have the consequences, don't we, of foolishness and fallenness and freedom. In the meantime, and that's where we live, we live in the meantime and the in-between time. I'm just praying that all of us can answer yes to the question that Job's wife, bless her heart, said. In the midst of everything else that's going on in your life, are you still going to persist in your integrity? I just want to ask myself that. I want to say, Sam, are you still persisting in your integrity? Are you going to stay whole no matter what you lose? And I want to say, yes, Lord, by your grace. Yes. Let us pray. Lord, there's nothing that, that dredges up inside of us questions like um, suffering and pain. And we want to know uh, where we went wrong. We, we want to know what caused it. We maybe want to blame it on somebody. There's got to be a reason why, we think. And... And it seems like when it rains, it pours, as the old cliche says. It seems like when, when one thing goes wrong, ten things go wrong. And it seems like some of the best people we know have suffered some of the worst tragedies in their lives. And we don't really have the clear answers. Things that we want to nail down just are loose and we end up with more questions. But God, you are a good, good father. And if we can't do anything else, we're going to trust in your ultimate goodness. And we're going to maintain that stubborn integrity no matter what, with your grace, with your help, we're going to do that. Amen.
Okay, so now hear this benediction. For all the days that end in why, we may not have all the answers, but we have the good, good Father. <laughs> <laughs>